Hello, and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing program services and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of The Conversation, we're going to talk with Andy Lima, a mosquito biologist with the Fairfax County Health Department Disease Carrying Insects Program. We're going to talk about mosquitoes and how to prevent getting bitten by those little rascals and Zika as well. So a lot of good information coming up and a timely topic as we're heading into the warm weather of summer to talk about mosquitoes. So Andy, thanks for being on the conversation with us. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. I'm happy absolutely, to be here. Absolutely. Before we get into the, the meat of the subject, if you will, we always try to learn a little bit about our county employees, who they are. So before we dive into mosquitoes and Zika and all that kind of good stuff, a little bit about Andy Lima. How did you get to Fairfax County Health Department? Sure. So um, I've been collecting insects for close to 20 years now. Um, And when I left college, um, where I studied environmental management, I worked in for a private mosquito control company for about 10 years. And um, then about two years ago, started with the the health department's Mm -hmm. disease-carrying insects program. Okay. So it sounds like uh, bugs have been your life and kind of grew up with liking bugs and playing with them and studying them. Very true. I I live it every day. Wow. It's not often that you get to to do that, you know. No, I feel very fortunate to be able to work – you know, doing something that I love and something that also protects the public health. Yeah, yeah. It's important to me. Now, mosquitoes, what was it about is about mosquitoes in particular? Is there something that really kind of drew you to mosquitoes or interest you about them? You know, sometimes it's that uh, mosquitoes are the way that you can end up getting a job with, with something insect-related. <laughs> um, you know, when it comes to public health, mosquitoes are, yeah. are one of the most important animals on the planet. Mm. Um, and uh, in, in doing that, then there, there's work to, to be done to prevent mosquitoes and, and help protect the public health. So yeah. that's where well, the jobs are. Yeah, well, you mentioned that Fairfax County Health Department has a disease-carrying insect program. I mean, a whole program devoted to insects that carry diseases, which I'm assuming mosquitoes is one of the bigger ones. Indeed. Or not in size, perhaps. Right. (laughs) Um, What does this disease-carrying insects insects program do? What's the the purpose of the program? Yeah, so... um you know, over the years, there's been different variations of, of mosquito control done in the county. But um, starting in 2002, when West Nile virus first arrived to the area, mm. our program was set up in response to that. Oh, okay. um, so we have an extensive trapping network um, that includes uh, more than 70 trap sites around the county that are looked at weekly. Um, and even prior to Zika, we were looking at those sites and doing a lot of West Nile virus surveillance on our mosquitoes that are around. Um, we also do some larviciding, uh, which means that we, when we collect uh, mosquito larvae in standing water, we treat those, um, mm, those okay. sources potentially with a larvicide that actually kills the mosquito larvae that are developing in there. Okay. Um, and coupled with that is a lot of what we call source reduction, so reducing those habitats when oh, we okay. can and eliminating them. So that's a big part of Zika right now is um, elim- eliminating container habitats around the yard. Um, we also have a proactive storm drain treatment program, and this is something that's also set up to, to combat West Nile virus um, because storm drains that might hold water in the bottom of them, bottom of them um, can be a productive site for uh, Culex mosquitoes, which is the type that, that spread West Nile in our, in our area. So 
Uh, we do some, some larvicide treatments in, in those storm drains around the county uh, during three separate cycles during the year. Oh, wow. um, okay. So that's kind of our surveillance and control component. And then we also have a very, uh, very large educational um, outreach component, too, where we just try to um, get people to do personal behavioral change since those are the best ways, um, you know, preventing mosquito bites and eliminating those, right. those aquatic water right. sources are the best way for people to prevent mosquito bites. So okay. we try to get the word out at a lot of different festivals or HOAs and community events and things like we're doing today. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll just ask you now, good, good opportunity. If, if someone is in a homeowners association or a civic group or whatever, and they'd like somebody to come out and speak, speak to them, I'm assuming, or provide more information, how, how would they go about doing that? Sure. Um, if they wanted to do that and set something like that up, then they could give our, um, our main line a call, which is uh, 703-246-8931. Um, they could also send an email to fightthebite at fairfaxcounty.gov. Um, or they could check out our website, which can be found on the, the health department's web, website, um, www.fairfaxcounty.gov slash HD will be the health department. And that's a good place for people to link directly mm-hmm. to our Zika virus page, right. too. Okay. Um, okay. And then the DCIP, the Disease Carrying Insects Program, mm-hmm. also has our own web address, but it'll be easy enough to right. get to from the, from right. the mainframe. Just there. go fairfaxcounty.gov slash HD, and they should be able to yes. find everything there. Certainly. Okay. So when so you've got this disease carrying insects program that has surveillance and control and education component and you were talking about uh, trap sites and larva siding is that just on county property county owned facilities and property that you're that you're doing that or is it kind of a, a public program that you so it, it depends since you know our streets are are generally public but right. you know those stormwater structures may be county owned gotcha. typically most of our control takes place in county owned or maintained okay. facilities um, and then all of our trap sites are generally on county owned property okay. also okay. Um, so that just allows us to to get an idea of what's happening in the in the mosquito population and enact some control measures if we need to mm. but we're ensuring that we're doing that kind of on on the public gotcha. lands okay and you said the program started in 02 or 2012? 2002 was 2002. when uh, West Nile virus first arrived wow. in the area. So, um, yeah, we're getting close Doesn't to like 15 that. years yeah, now. Yeah, a long time. Um, so wh- is there anything that's been learned in that time? Trends? Have there been anything that uh, I'm assuming you've been trapping these mosquitoes and then kind of maybe studying them or learning from them or I don't know. <laughs> sure, yeah. When, when we collect the mosquitoes, um, we do group them by species. We separate oh, them okay. out by species. There are actually about 35 to 40 species that can be found in what? Virginia really? of mosquito. Wow. Um, only a couple of them are, are really important for West Nile virus. And just like there's only a couple species that are important for, for Zika virus this huh. year. Um, so depending on the species that we see, we'll group them and get them tested appropriately. Um, and that helps us get a, a picture of what's happening in the mosquitoes and um, you know where that virus is mm-hmm. transmitting mm-hmm. most often. Because um, historically, Fairfax County isn't a place that has a large number of West Nile virus infections in humans each okay. year. Um, but uh, un- unlike some other cities in the U.S. that have seen major outbreaks, so we, we're trying to keep it that way. Right. Yeah. Is it because we don't have a lot of those two different types of mosquitoes that you talked about? Um, both the mosquitoes that, that, that can spread West Nile virus and the mosquitoes that could potentially spread Zika virus in the United States are, are common in, oh, in the okay. county. Um, oh. But sometimes there are other environmental factors at work. Um, 
You know, we know that uh, hot, dry years can be especially problematic for West Nile virus, mm. um, which is kind of counterintuitive, but mm. um, perhaps some of that is because um, some of those water sources dry up and creeks and things start to pool up. And um, when you get that water concentrating down, it's really high in organic content, and that can be good places for the Culex mm. mosquitoes to lay their eggs. Um, the, the Zika virus mosquitoes are Asian tiger mosquito, um, which is a common nuisance species, and it's the species that's most often biting people in their backyards. Oh, great. Um, it's a day-feeding <laughs> mosquito uh, that uh, they're, they're typically only found in those container habitats around the yard, and they actually lay their eggs around the edges as the water is receding in those habitats, and then those eggs actually have to dry down and be covered again by a floodwater event, a rainfall event, to actually trigger the hatching of them. So okay. um, this is a little different than the biology of the Culex mosquitoes. And one of the reasons that our, that our response is, is different for West Nile virus versus Zika this year. Okay. Uh, I want to go back to that visual of how it works, but you just hit on something there. The West Nile and the Zika are different in the approach of treating it or something. Can you, can you follow up on that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So our Culex mosquitoes are typically going to be found in some of the you know soil-bottomed habitats like... Um, you know, creeks or ditches, creeks that are pooling up, not flowing creeks, but anywhere that, where that water is going to stand for a week or more. Okay, and, um, the, and I'm sorry, and the Culex mosquito <laughs> are mainly going to cause what? Uh, Culex mosquitoes are responsible for transmitting West Nile virus. West Nile, okay. Yeah, and so um, some of those drying habitats like, like ditches or um, sometimes the sides of retention ponds and things mm. like that, areas where that water gets kind of separated from the main body of water and it lacks the predators that can gotcha. kind of control mosquitoes naturally uh -huh. um, and that are high in organic content. So again, back to mm. those storm drains that might have a lot of um, you know, washings from the roads and gotcha. you know, dirt and leaves and things like that. Those Culex mosquitoes really like that kind of habitat. Okay. Okay. Our Asian tiger mosquitoes that are important for Zika virus this year um, develops exclusively in containers that can be found around the yard. So okay. Simply Talk in what kind of containers? So artificial containers, things like buckets, tires, uh, okay. um, uh, you know, kiddie pools, kid toys, sometimes the corrugated downspout extensions, the black corrugated pipes yeah, that come off yeah. of our, our gutters. Um, if those aren't placed properly, they can be a really important wow. breeding site for those mosquitoes, that, yeah. too. So um, things like potted plant saucers, tarps that aren't placed properly, hmm. um, all of those really small habitats that have an artificial surface to them are attractive to these Asian tiger mosquitoes. And, um, you know, by eliminating those habitats around your yard, you're going to reduce your number of nuisance bites for sure. And this year, you're really going to reduce your risk for Zika right. by doing that, too. I, I'm, I'm visualizing tarps and buckets and flower pot things. I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, I'm doing air quotes here, containers. Sure. I mean, how, 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 do, how do we, you know... What do we do with all these containers? Yeah, exactly. So ideally, if it's something that you don't need, you can throw it away. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even things like trash and refuse, um, you know, something like a stream cleanup has the potential to remove tons of different types wow. of containers wow. because of bottles and cans and all that trash that can yeah. sit there and accumulate water on the side of a stream once that, that oh, yeah. you know, flood water event ends. Yeah. Um, but just if you can't throw them away, then keeping them turned over in your yard. So mm. something like a wheelbarrow that you only use occasionally should mm -hmm. always be turned over. So it's not going to hold water. Um, you know, a bucket can be turned over. But, um, you know, importantly, another thing that you can do is if you turn it over and some things might have something on the bottom that might right, hold a little right, bit of water. Right. So if you can get those things covered 
or you know get them to someplace indoors where they're not going to sit out there and collect the water, then that's the ideal situation. How much water are we talking about? Are we talking about like you know a teaspoonful of water, or are we talking about you know a cupful? I mean, what what's required for these mosquitoes in these little containers? Yeah, so the limiting factor for mosquito development is going to be, is that water around for long enough? Because it does take them about 7 to 10 days to go from an egg to a flying adult. So most of the tips that we give are going to be to do these things around your yard weekly. And by doing that, you can effectively break the cycle. But when you're talking about amounts of water, um, you know, although they can breed in something as small as, say, a bottle cap, if that bottle cap stays wet for that entire time, but that's going to be a habitat that dries out faster. So typically, you know, something that's a little larger than that is going to be more likely to harbor something. So, okay. um, you know, it, but it's important to look all the way down to those really small habitats. And probably nothing that's larger than, say, a trash can is going to, is going to harbor Asian tiger mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's going to be about the maximum size. Um, but, yeah, it really doesn't take much water. They say a teaspoon of water wow. is enough as long as, as long as that water is going to stay there for the full week period. We're talking with Andy Lima, a mosquito biologist with Fairfax County's Health Department on the County Conversation podcast. And Andy, we've we've had, a, uh, I guess, a rainy spring. We've had a lot of rain. Is that, I'm assuming that's not a, not a good thing. <laughs> so, so, yeah, what's happened this spring is that we had a lot of cool weather along with that rain. So luckily, since our mosquito season hadn't really begun, um, you know, as far as our Asian tiger mosquitoes were concerned, uh, they didn't have a chance to be out and, and laying eggs and all these things that had gotten all this new water in oh. them. So, um, so in that sense, our, our Asian tiger mosquito population was pretty delayed because mm. of all the rain. They can't really be out there flying in the rain. Um, they need to kind of hunker down and stay protected. So they, like, also, warm, they like warmer weather. They do. They, okay. The Asian tiger mosquito does best. Um, their populations peak from mid-July to mid-September. Oh, so okay. the hottest part of the year is the time when they're, when they're uh, peaking okay. the most and going to be out and biting and host-seeking the most. Um, but, but, yeah, it, it, um, that early spring, uh, the early spring rain and cool weather helped kind of delay our, our mosquito season a little bit. So okay. they'll still be here and, and they'll be biting this year, but, you know, it's just probably moved shifted a couple right. weeks or a few weeks back okay um so all right so help me with this one i you know they the mosquito likes the hot weather and during the summer we do get thunderstorms which would produce the water that would then stand in the buckets that they would need sure so if, if it's a hot dry summer is that a good thing for controlling the mosquito population Hot and dry can be good for Asian tiger mosquitoes because they're what we call a floodwater mosquito. They do lay their eggs around the edge of that habitat, and those eggs dry down, and it's the next time that they get covered that they can potentially hatch. So if you have hot, dry weather, you're going to have fewer of those drying and wetting cycles, mm-hmm. and um, that's going to reduce your, your number of something okay. like Asian tiger okay. mosquitoes. Um, but this However, if you're getting, you know, things like a thunderstorm that dumps a lot of rain right, and that right. rain's going to sit for at least a week, then um, if the temperatures are warm, then mosquitoes are going to develop faster and that water that okay. sticks around for a week or right. more is going to be able to produce them. So wow. it's, it's, a, it's a complicated equation yeah, when yeah. you try to factor in all the environmental stuff. With, okay. um, so it's tough to kind of predict. Sure. Okay. So I've heard tip and toss. Is, what does that mean? Tip and toss is just our, our kind of um, our 
rhyme that we use to to let people know that they need to get rid of standing water around okay. their around their own yard. Okay. You know, when it comes to Zika virus and when it comes to Asian tiger mosquito and mm-hmm. then with Zika virus, it takes a village. It takes the whole community getting involved because it's not a it's not a mosquito that flies far. This is a mosquito that in its lifetime probably flies less than 500 feet. Oh wow! So um, you know if if they're on your your property, they're going to be feeding on you. So if you have those larval sources around, then you're going to be a a, a, a prime host for them. Okay. Um, so even if you do everything correctly in your yard, if your neighbors aren't doing their right. part too, then those mosquitoes are going to be biting you as well. Oh, so the more people can get involved with their community, whether it's a community cleanup or just talking to neighbors about what they see, um, you know, none of us like mosquitoes. So yeah. hopefully that's something where property owners can all come together and just agree that right. we need to do this for our neighborhood um, to not only reduce the, the nuisance part of it, but to reduce our risk this year. for so if, so if I'm out in my backyard and I've got three neighbors who have backyards, you know, we're we're all kind of right there. Sure. So if I'm getting bit, I'm I'm either raising the mosquitoes in my yard or chant or perhaps one of those three neighbors around. It's very likely, yeah, yeah. That, that they're coming from wow. from a from from a very close range. Okay. So, yeah. So this goes back to all the containers that we talked about, making sure once a week. I think you said that there's there's no water in there. Yeah, at least once a week. That way, you know, you keep um, you interrupt that cycle because it takes them about a week to ten days to develop from an egg. Do I need to, to rinse adult. them out, wash them out, or just toss the water out? Yeah, that's a good question. So on on things that are you know, if you're going to be able to turn it over, then you might not need to, to rinse it at that time or something. But if it's something like a bird bath where mm. you know that water is going to keep receding, right, right. they will have those eggs pasted around the edges of those habitats. Oh, so wow. it is a good idea when you can to scrub it or wipe it as you or, or spray it with a with pretty hard jet yeah. on the hose because um, those eggs are cemented right on there and they don't come off very easily wow. either. So, Yikes. yeah, you do want to do a nice <laughs> wipe around or, you know, make sure that you're going to get out there once a week. Um, There are also some options for habitats around the yard that you might not be able to empty out. So if someone really wants to have that bird bath provided for the Mm -hmm, birds, mm -hmm. there are some products that they can get at hardware stores um, that uh, have usually bacterial larvicides. So these are soil occurring bacteria that Mm -hmm. are multiplied and concentrated. And um, those can be placed in those habitats and they'll be very specific on affecting the mosquitoes, but they mm. won't harm your beneficial organisms, um, things okay. that are pot- potential predators of mosquitoes, gotcha. birds, you know, other animals that come and, and visit or so something like that. So these are sprays that. or something for the yard? This or? is usually something like a like a granular uh, oh, okay. or, or like a, like looks like a little cake that you would break up and kind of put in there. Oh, in the bird bath Yeah, you put okay. it, you drop it into the water gotcha. and it, it'll provide control of any mosquitoes that do develop for, yeah. you know, maybe uh, three weeks to a month. Yeah. I only have a couple of more minutes left. I want to get to more stuff, and we got to talk specifically Zika sure. too. But uh, is is there a, a like a spray I could put in my backyard? Is there something I could put on the ground? I mean, I have dogs. Uh, if I spray, will it affect other animals or just the mosquitoes? Or is that not even worth it? Is it just a matter of tipping and tossing water essentially? Um, you know, adult control is is really only going to be effective if you're also tipping and tossing. So it's important mm. to. Cause it, do those things in conjunction. But if you've tipped and tossed and you're still seeing a lot of adults around the yard, then there are some homeowner options that, um, you know, a lot of folks will opt to maybe call one of these backyard mosquito companies. 
Um, and depending on what they're using, that, that can be effective. The, the type of treatments that they're typically doing are called barrier treatments. Mm. Um, this is something that they would typically apply to the vegetation or other cool, humid areas in the yard where the mosquitoes, especially Asian tiger mosquitoes, are likely to rest during gotcha. the day. Gotcha. And by um, applying that to that vegetation and um, maybe under decks and siding and stuff like that, mm. The mosquitoes that come and land on that for the next two to three weeks will contact that pesticide and be killed. So it has what we call a residual effect. It lasts for longer than just the initial treatment. And that's the main method of treatment that's um, being recommended for Zika control and and for Asian tiger Mm -hmm. mosquito control Mm -hmm. this year is to do that because it's more effective than what some people might think of as traditional mosquito control, which is maybe the the truck coming down the street with the the fog coming out the back. Um, That's not as effective against these mosquitoes because they are active during the day and they're just resting in the vegetation. And for that to be effective, that that spray truck, it's not hitting them. They have to be out and actively flying. So it's one of the major differences between control for West Nile virus and control for Asian tiger mosquitoes and Zika virus. These little critters make it tough, don't they? I mean, <laughs> ever-changing, ever-evolving, there's always something. And, and this year, it seems like it's Zika, but this is not – Zika is not new. Um, you know, I mean, maybe new to us in the Americas. Yeah, Zika is new to us in the Americas um, since, since last year. And, um, and that's one of the reasons that it's spreading so rapidly is mm-hmm. that you have a population that's never been exposed to it. There's no natural immunity to it. Um, so we're seeing some of these explosive outbreaks in Central South America um, and, you know, parts of Mexico. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we are we do want to caution people that, you know, especially for pregnant women that are considering travel to Zika-affected areas, if they can avoid that travel, that's mm-hmm. what's recommended by okay. the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, and, you know, folks who are traveling to those areas should be taking additional precautions when they return to avoid mosquito bites for at least three weeks after they return um, to avoid hopefully spreading any infection that they might have gotten from Zika from one of those areas to keep yeah. it from being picked up by our local mosquitoes here okay. and, and transmitted locally. So well, It's funny when you said that, should try to avoid getting bit by a mosquito. Well, aren't we all trying to avoid? I mean, so how do I do that? I mean, are there sure. tips to so that I don't get bit? I mean... Yeah. If I've done my tipping and tossing and different stuff like that, but maybe I'm going to a different area that hadn't tipped and tossed or something. I mean, what should I do? Yeah. So in addition to that tipping and tossing, you want to make sure that you're dressed properly when um, when mosquitoes are most active. Now, this is a daytime active mosquito, mm. um, but they're still going to their activity is going to peak at dawn and dusk. Oh, so okay. it's especially important to when you can and when when weather permits and your life permits to to cover up with with long pants and long sleeves. Um, wear light colors when you can. Light, clo- light colors are less attractive to mosquitoes. Oh, okay. um, and then also applying one of the, the EPA and CDC recommended repellents. Those are things with the active ingredient either DEET, picaridin, um, IR3535, that's a catchy one, yeah. and, <laughs> and oil of lemon eucalyptus. And okay. all four of those are recommended for general public use, including for pregnant women and oh, for okay. children, too. Um, some of the products might have age restrictions, so something like oil of lemon eucalyptus can only be used on children if they're three years and up. Okay. Um, but something like DEET is recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics mm. for children as long as they're over two months of age. Okay. So, um, so you know, just look at DEET, the product label on any of the things I'm 
considering and making sure it has one of those? Yeah, absolutely. You want to read that label in the front and make sure that it has one of those good active ingredients in it. And then always make sure you read and follow those label directions mm. on the back. They're going to tell you how to apply it correctly and keep right. you safe while you're right. using it. Okay. Um, so wearing a repellent, so dressing properly, wearing a repellent. And there are also some... Um, some things that you can put on your clothing, such as permethrin, which is actually an insecticide, but it has some repellent qualities too. <laughs> and it also can, can contact and kill mosquitoes and ticks that might come in and try uh-huh. to bite. Um, and there are a lot of different uh, products that are sold that actually have permethrin impregnated into the fabric. Uh-huh. Um, so those will last for like 60 to 70 washes, wow. um, where you get that repellency and that, that knockdown effect. Hmm. Um, but uh, something, there are some other formulations that you can get just from the, from the you know, camping store or some an outdoor store, yeah, yeah. Um, like a pump spray or an aerosol that you can actually treat an outfit that you know you're going to be right, outdoors right, right. in. Maybe it's something you garden in or you hike in. And if you treat that outfit, um, you can usually get six to seven weeks or six to seven washes oh, out of that. Um, so that's going to provide an yeah. additional layer of protection. Okay. So. We are talking with Andy Lima on the county conversation about uh, mosquitoes and the disease-carrying insect program and the Zika virus, which we hadn't discussed a whole lot about, but unfortunately we're out of time. Um, Any thought about Zika, anything that I haven't asked you that maybe folks should consider or know about Zika? I mean, it seems like there's almost a panic level in some populations or some news stations that you listen to about the Zika virus, Zika virus. I mean, is it, are we at that level or is it being overblown too much or? Sure. It's a good question. So regarding Zika, I think some of the important things for people to know is that, um, you know, at least for here in Fairfax County, the species that's currently driving most of the transmission in Central and South America and the Caribbean um, and Mexico that's called the Aedes aegypti mosquito. And it's really, um, it's a very rare mosquito here in, mm. in, um, in Northern Virginia. We, we've only seen a handful of them in our 10 years, 10 plus years of surveillance. Um, but we do have this other species, the Asian tiger mosquito, which is a competent vector of Zika. It's the, the only other species that's known to transmit Zika, but it's not really known yet how well it, it, can, um, it can transmit it. There are some behavioral differences between that and the Aedes aegypti mosquito that make it um, less efficient at, mm-hmm. at transmitting. Um, but we have a lot of the other things um, here in, in the county. More people here are going to use things like air conditioning or have intact screen, screens and stuff like that compared to some of these tropical places where, mm-hmm. where um, Zika outbreaks are currently you. happening. So um, we have some extra layers of protection. So far, there hasn't been any uh, transmission of Zika virus by mosquitoes in the continental United States okay. as we record this today. So um, that's the good news. We're, but we have to prepare as if, right. um, as if it will. So um, we're taking steps at the county level to be able to, you know, um, look at those cases and, and hopefully initiate control measures as necessary around them. And um, hopefully we can, we can keep it out of our local mosquitoes and avoid yeah. local transmission right. Uh, this this year, right. um, that's the goal. But but yeah, so it's um, it's certainly a concern for it, but for us. But um, you know, if if people can relax and know that that there's not transmission going on right now, and if they do take these very simple steps right. to protect themselves from mosquito bites right. Right. and tip and toss their standing water, they'll significantly reduce their their risk. And and to, for people to know that we have a a plan in place to yeah. respond in case Zika does become um, 
get into our more local mosquito population. Okay. All right. And the the resources again, if folks need more information, I think you said it was seven zero three two four six eight nine three one. Yep. Send an email to fight the bite at fairfaxcounty.gov or go online to fairfaxcounty.gov slash HD, which is the health department. And there's lots of information there about Zika and mosquito control and, and the disease insect carrying program. Uh, links from there as well. Certainly, yeah. Probably a quick Google of Zika Fairfax County would, <laughs> would get you to that page too. All right. And it'll have a lot of resources there that, um, you know, that are available for homeowners or um, okay. employees that work in the county or anyone who wants some outreach materials. We've got a number of different okay. materials that we've developed for, for Zika specifically. So, um, you know, people can make those requests okay. as well or just print them themselves from, awesome. from our website. I wish we had more time to, to talk about this. A lot more information I know we could get to, but uh, thanks so much for being on the County Conversation with us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks a lot. Andy Lima, mosquito biologist with uh, Fairfax County's Health Department, talking with us today about mosquitoes and a lot of information that we've covered, a lot more that we could cover. So again, uh, go uh, online or call that telephone number if you need more information. And if you'd like to get more Fairfax County news, News and events, you can go online to fairfaxcounty.gov news or call 703-Fairfax, that's 703-324-7329, weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Thanks again for listening to the County Conversation, produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government. <music>